Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. We are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP channel only. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to take that pain away from some of the new guys. I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with three employees and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We're currently about a dozen employees. We were originally founded in 1999. I believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share their mind share on how to overcome issues. I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago. I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. Hi, welcome back to the next episode of IT for Whiskey. My name is Joe Ucia, and I'm here with two of my best buds in the world, Craig Hickman and Myron Herrera. How are you guys doing today? What's up? Craig Hickman's in the house. Yo, what's up, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? Lots. We're still going through this whole pandemic thing. Not going to talk about that today, though. I don't know what you're talking no. about. The world is different, that's for sure. At least here in the U.S., vaccines yes. are rolling out. But it's all perspective. It's all, everything in life is perspective. Everybody gets a vaccine eventually. Well, our fearless leader has said by September, everybody who wants it can get it. Supposed to get 100 million in 100 days. That's the goal. So today's topic, I, I, I kind of like this topic. It's uh, a topic that talks about the different ways you can position yourself as an MSP and how you explain or how you position to your clients that they need an MSP. So I think we'll call the topic uh, signs that your business needs an MSP will be the official title. And uh, we're going to talk about the different things we do and how you position it to your customers and, and new prospects. This is also a really good idea to reinforce during your, your QBRs, as we've discussed many times. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, boys? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of MSPs struggle to sell, especially if you're a starting MSP or you're a smaller shop, you struggle to sell. And any advice absolutely is, is positively ta taken. For us, when we started the MSP or when we started going down the path of going out and getting new customers, we didn't realize that there was an education process. The management team at the prospect didn't know how to, how, how to deal with IT, whether they had an in-house staff or if they just had to hire uh, an MSP. They, they didn't know. They didn't know what they needed. So going through that process was a big deal. I think, I think one of the... Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, I think one of the big, <laughs> one of the biggest, one of the biggest indicators, like you just said, is, you know, does your company have regular downtime? Is it constantly down and or, you know, systems crashing, you know, are things slow? Have you lost data? It's usually a good indicator that, hey, I need to talk to a professional. 
Don't you find odd when you go into a company and you ask them about downtime? And, and oh no, they tell you like, yeah, we're down pretty regularly, like pretty often. You're like, what? You're like, yeah, they just accept it, like it's normal. And you're like, well, why would why would you? Oh, we just you know it goes down, and we just shut down for a little while and wait till it comes back. Standard procedure. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what if I could tell you, you could not have downtime? What would that do for you? Is, is that exciting? Are you getting excited about that? Oh, it's funny because some people would get excited by it. Other people don't realize that. The money they're actually—it's they just—they're losing. Yeah, they're, they just factor it into their the way they do business, which I think is—that's right. It's hilarious if you ask me. One thing that I I was talking recently internally, and I think it's it's something good to share is that especially if you're going for a customer that that maybe has an internal IT department and you're you're having a conversation with the C level with the operations or a fine you know the CFO or CEO or whatever that personnel might not know what to ask their internal IT to know whether they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. One of the things that came, comes to mind is, is backups, right? So management probably asks the IT person, hey, are we good with our backups? And the IT person's like, yeah, we are, we're good with our backups. But what does that mean? Does that mean that we're just running backups and we don't know anything? So one cool thing that we're implementing a Cinetech side is how to educate the C-levels so that they can ask better questions to their IT department. How safe are they? How, how much risk do they have? What's our backup rotation? Do we send the backups offsite? How do we send them offsite? How often do we test the backups? And so on and so, you know, just to mention a few, those are things that as, as MSPs, we have to look at how we engage prospects and educate them on the things that they should be asking their internal IT. Because they may be saying, well, we have, we have an IT department. We're good. Well, are you? And let's let's go through that process. So that that to me is a big deal. It's funny you say that. You nailed it right on the head because one of the questions I ask customers is, "Do you know what your recovery time objective is?" And they're like, "What's that?" Well, how long will it take you to recover your backups? And they're like, "Well, uh, I don't know, an hour." Okay. How long? Well, as we say in the industry, RPO, recovery point objective. You know, how much time can you lose of information? Well, none. I've never heard that, by the way. You being serious? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that before. The RTO and RPO. Have you heard that, Craig? RPO. I've never heard. What's, of the what's the acronym stand for again? I just said it. Recovery <laughs> point objective. Yeah, I've heard that before. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> Put your email away, buddy. All right. Wasn't email? I was looking at the pictures you sent me. Uh huh. So, <laughs> so a lot of times you. Oh, you know, I don't know. One time we walked into a customer site and I, I said, "Can you show us your, where your backups are?" And they show us the server. And I'm like, "Oh, how long has this been running?" It's like, "Well, it's been, it's been running for about four years." And, you, and I change tapes every day. And and I said, "Well, that's interesting. It has power, but there's no Ethernet plugged into it." So I'm not really certain what's backing up this backup server. It's not connected to anything. <laughs> so she'd been, they've been changing the tapes for four years. She'd been diligently doing it, wow. and there's nothing being backed up. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's the kind of thing is, you know, the third, the third thing is, so I always say, what's your recovery time objective? What's your recovery point objective? And third, do you test your backups? To make sure they're working. They, well, they obviously weren't testing their backups. Yeah. The, the testing it's, it's is huge. a big deal. T testing is a big deal. And even MSPs make the mistake. They just say, oh, I'm using such and such backup, StorageGraph, yeah. Veeam, or Datto, whoever. And they just think that's fine. Backups need oh, to be absolutely, tested. Absolutely. Absolutely. Regularly. And so it's, it's interesting when you bring those three topics up, or those three perspectives up, they're, they're, they always have 
deer in headlights is is what it's like for them. Well, I'm sure a lot of the acronyms they don't know. Well, forget the acronyms. You put before. it in plain English saying, well, how much time can you afford to lose? You know, and how long will it take you to get back up? And have you tested to make sure it's actually working? So that's plain English that, you know, I could ask anyone and I'm sure they would understand. And almost 100% of the time, darn near 100% of the time in the SMB space, once you start getting into the upper mid-market and enterprise, they're typically all over that. But you're talking sub-500 user space, not always all over it. Sub-100 space, never. They don't even know what that is. Like you said, plug in the device, set it up. Oh, it's not even connected to Ethernet. So what is it backing up? I don't know, but I'm changing the tapes. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about happens. We see it all the time. I think the backup server is backing up itself. Hey, man, you need to back it up. <laughs> we, we, had a, we, we have a client that we brought on in the same thing. Management was like, well, we just spent a ton of money on a new backup solution. Uh, and it was implemented six months ago or whatever. So we don't need backups. And we said, okay, so let, let's look at how you, you guys are backing up. And it turns out that the IT staff, the internal IT staff has set it up where the backups were rewriting themselves every day. So they only had one day of backup. Was it backing up at least every hour? <laughs> and it wasn't going off site, which is, even, you know, so they had no, no offsite redundancy or backups. You have to educate the management team because they, they don't understand it. They say they do, but most of the times they don't. I think, I think focusing on what it costs for downtime easily shows the value of whatever you're pitching. Cause right there, when, when you, the industry average is what, 10K an hour is what they say. Now, that's spread across all, all verticals. So I'd say the typical SMB, it would still cost them a few grand an hour for sure. Especially in manufacturing. Yeah, the easiest way to, to look at that is, is if you have a way to figure out how much they do a year, and then you can, you can break that down. Yeah, you just say you, you do a million dollars of revenue a year, you have 10 employees and they work 2,000 hours. Now you can do the math backwards or whatever the, the math is. That's all you really need to do to deduce what their hourly cost is, right? Math is hard. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, so let me, let me ask you something there, boys. What, what are we all drinking today? I think we have a special theme today in my honor, don't we? It's a special theme. I don't know if it's in your honor, but... Uh, wow, I, I was trying to take yeah, it. I, I oh, would, my God. I would, I would say it's a coincidence more than anything else. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. So today we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about some great Canadian whiskeys. You'll mm. you'll be surprised that some of them are not marketed as Canadian, but they actually are made in Canada and then marketed as a US whiskey. Ha ha. Like Myron, what are you drinking? Well, that's because well, that's because they want there are cars, they want people there, to buy it. <laughs> there are cars wow. uh, US cars that are made in, in Mexico. That doesn't mean that they're Mexican oh. cars. The Nova was a great car. <laughs> this is the fastest um, car on the market i bought um over the holidays i bought this three pack of whistle pig test bottles they're they're this small what are these 100 mil yeah i guess so or are they 375 it actually doesn't they, they look no like way they're 375s they're like no those look like hundreds yeah, they're 100 yeah they're, they're they're good for like two 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 drinks um but it brought it brought three bottles of the whistle pig rye whiskey which i had never tried i mean i know the guys you guys have tried it often i started before recording i started with the whistle pig 10 rye whiskey I'm not a rye guy, so it, it, it went down pretty smoothly. And I've now moved on to the Whistle Pig Old World Rye 12 year. This is a little bit stronger, tougher, I would say. I think the 10 year I like more. I find. Yeah, it's got more spice. I would agree to that. And then I have the last one, which I haven't tried yet, but I will before the end of the episode, is the 15 year Estate Oak uh, Rye Whiskey from Whistle Pig. While drinking it, 
Joe brought up that they are made in Canada, which I did not know. That one is. I see. Okay. That one. So, the other two are not, go. but that one is. So that one is made by the same company that made the drink that Craig is drinking today. As you can see, oops. <laughs> All right. The Alberta Premium Cast Strength Rye. So this was what? Is this the whiskey of the year pick? It is the whiskey of the year pick. Yeah, so it's about global whiskey of the year. It's it's I think it's seventy dollars a bottle. It's interesting. You you it's it's one hundred and thirty proof. Wow, is it one hundred? Yeah, one hundred one hundred and thirty two proof. So it is definitely stout. But the th- it does. But you can drink it neat. You don't have to put anything in. Well, I don't. Which you know, typically anything above one twenty, I'm usually adding something to it usually. But I'm surprised in how smooth it actually is compared to to the how much alcohol content it has. I definitely say pick it up. It's a limited release though. So it'll be difficult to find. I don't. Th- I've been trying to find that for a few months now. No inventory anywhere I go and I look. I've checked all across Canada online. I cannot find it. No one's got it. So ever since, I think it was September, October, they announced it was the whiskey of the year. Can't get it. So the fact that you got it. I have one sitting here for you, Joe. Ah, thanks, buddy. And, and one for Myron. Once COVID is over and I'm, I can travel again, definitely going to take you up on that. I will say that the interesting thing there is you're both drinking an Alberta Springs product there's the irony made in good old canada just like what i'm drinking <laughs> in a second just like i'm drinking is the caribou crossing it's a single barrel it's made in quebec actually it has a really cool top to it too which i'm going to keep the bottle just because it's really nice it's got a like a an actual caribou made out of metal that is canada's blanton's there you go yeah exactly from a bottle perspective this is not bad especially for the price i i'm surprised at how much i do like it this is probably one of the first whiskeys that i would say uh, canadian whiskey sorry that i actually really like because i don't like many canadian whiskeys so uh yeah oh canada we stand on guard for thee i honestly don't know the words what you think it for us joe <laughs> yeah we're good so i mean i could but you know we I don't may have inquiring minds that want to know hey you know, we, we do have a lot of Canadian listeners. I know. it's it's. And I'm a proud Canadian, as you all know. If, it's uh, If you're a Canadian listener, please reach out to us on social media or via email. Let us know that you exist because there's a debate that we don't have a lot of Canadian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we know at least Chris listens to it. <laughs> No, he doesn't. <laughs> yes, he We've does. We've just found out today. He, no, nope, he's, not he's, true. Uh, he's way behind. Nope, not true. <laughs> not true at all. He does listen. Chris, he was, he, was, uh, he was beating you up because you had not listened to some episodes. That's, that's yeah, your friend there. He, he, admitted, he admitted he has not listened to every episode yet, but he's making his way through them. I think the episode that I'm in is the best one. My mom said the same thing. <laughs> Are we bringing up the mom jokes again? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. This is not any for I got a few. Hey, 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 how's this? How's this? I got another I got another thing that's a good sign um, or a good way to position yourself. A big topic in 2020. It's still it's even more relevant in 2021 is cybersecurity. You you know, asking your asking the prospect, "Do you have a cybersecurity policy and and do you know what your cybersecurity posture is? Do you know if you've even experienced a cybersecurity attack?" And you know, a lot of times customers will say or especially prospects, "No, we've never experienced a cybersecurity attack." Really? How do you know? Oh, uh, well, antivirus works. All uh, right. Is anyone managing your firewall? Well, yeah, our IT guys do. All right. And then you find out they've got some retail product as their only router to the, the world. Maybe the ISP gave them a little uh, router that they, does not. It's like, well, that's not yes. really a firewall. 
So I think the best fireball out there is the Comcast modem. It's the best. The I'd best. say it's the most common. <laughs> it's Comtastic. It's Comcastic. But, um, <laughs> you know, the reality is two-thirds of, of companies admit they probably would not survive a cybersecurity attack financially. We've had instances where customers have been completely, or sorry, we've had instances where customers came to us and became customers, and they were completely encrypted and, and you know, ransomware and try to help navigate through that. You know, the good news is they became customers after that and, and loyal ones at that. But um, I, I don't think that, you know, without a proper um, security advisor, either an MSP at the bare minimum, if not an MSSP, you'll never get a cost-efficient design that really protects you. Think of it this way. And this is something that I explain to customers. To have a full-blown, robust cybersecurity policy with all the proper defenses in place, you want to set up a security operations center, you want to, you have to, to, to employ it and, and put resources to it, manage it, maintain it. That's a million dollar a year conversation. Hard stop. Or you subscribe to it and it's, you take the slice uh, cost. And instead of spending a, a million dollars a year, maybe it'll cost you 20 grand a year. Or thirty grand a year, and it's it's much more affordable, and and it's you're mitigating risk. Though. Well, the ROI is there. The ROI is there. You'll never break even. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that's that's a, a very valid uh, conversation, and I think it's something that the businesses, and I think we've talked about this in, in previous episodes, but the the business themselves are getting pressured by their insurance companies and and customers, you know, whether they're in specific industries or they're following certain compliances, they're getting pressured to add cybersecurity policies and things in place. And I think that that's important to know that, that you have that in the back of your pocket, let's say, to be able to bring that out in the conversation. PCI and HIPAA alone require it. Right. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, insurance, I understand, but if you don't have, you don't file just the basic guidelines, I mean, you're just opening yourself up for lawsuit or fines because PCI, PCI compliance alone, you can be fined for not following the, the just the basic rules of just se- segmenting out the point of sale system, which is easy to do. It's not rocket science. Yeah, so so those are things that make it easier for you to open up opportunities, whether it's an existing customer or prospect customer. They're saying, yeah, we're good here, we're good there. And you bring that up, it's going to hit them. And they're going to be like, yeah, you know what? Insurance has been bugging me about this and my IT has not delivered on what we need. That could be the nail in the coffin, like uh, a nail in the head, like Joe says, um, to to close that that new business. I like I like the first version better. Yeah. So with that though, if you don't have a proper cybersecurity policy and you're not looking at that properly, you know there's or they're cut your prospects or not. There's a good way you can get in. Like these are different ways that you can position yourself and differentiate yourself against your competitors. And that's that's an easy one these days because not all MSPs are doing that because they don't know how and they're overwhelmed by it. My advice on that: don't reinvent the wheel. Partner. Get in through partnerships. There are a lot of companies in our industry from very, very large companies right down to smaller ones. Your PSA probably has a security strategy. I know both uh, ConnectWise and Kaseya have a cybersecurity strategy and they're, they're really good offerings. We use both for different things. I look at it this way, you know, backup and downtime are directly affected and, and have a lot to do with your cybersecurity policy because what you can't have one without the other because you need your backup policy in order to support and be a part of your cybersecurity policy. But your if in the event that that cybersecurity strategy fails, your backup is your last resort to, to come back to life. They really go hand in hand and a lot of MSPs only look at it from one side, right? And I think the the, the customer base, especially, you know, it depends on what 
level customer you're you're reaching. But when you're you're reaching those those clients that are fifty million and above, their need for IT services gets more complex. And I think uh, when I mean 50 million and above is that they do 50 million a year or above. Their their needs get more complex and the management team is more in tune into spending the dollars necessary to make sure that they're covered for things. You know, so if you're approaching obviously a small shop that's a, a, a 10 user office that maybe produces a few million dollars a year, their priorities are different than those of a 20, 30, 40, 50 plus million dollar business. So keep that in mind as you approach these companies, what's closer to their heart at the moment and what you hit them with first, you know what I mean? In terms of being able to close a deal. And here's another example, supply chain. Supply chain runs a lot, right? So one of our customers does a lot of work for Microsoft. So Microsoft has this thing called the SSPA. Essentially, it's a blend of ISO 27001, 27701, et cetera, et cetera. And it's their own version of it. So what we've had to do is they're, they're in the process of getting certified. And because we are their MSP and MSSP, we now have to get certified. So we're going through the ISO 27001 and ISO 27701, as well as the SSPA certification process, all three of them. And they're a long, expensive, arduous task to get done. But... That's what we needed to do in order to continue doing business with them and in order for them to continue to do business with Microsoft. So it's it's important to, to everyone in, in the supply chain and it's all being mandated by Microsoft. So imagine that. Yeah. And that's where if you don't, if you can't do that, that's where it's good to partner with a vendor that helps you get through those, those things as well. What about tracking? Tracking is another big one that people underestimate. It kind of has to do with downtime, but... Are they monitoring or tracking the the usage? Do they have, you know, five different versions, competitive versions of the same app that if they consolidated and tracked it properly and consolidated the the standardization? You know, a good example is some people might be using OneDrive, others use Dropbox, others use, use Box and Google Drive. You know, if you're if you have all four of them in your organization, there's a big disconnect, data's everywhere, you can't back it up properly, your intellectual property's at risk, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you consolidate it all, your company will probably save money and then you can have a proper strategy and policy to, to everything, right? As an example. So Drop Dropbox is interesting because if you're a partner of Dropbox, you can give them all your customer domains and they'll tell you how many customers, how many users inside the organization are using Dropbox without their knowledge. And I, I did this with some enterprise customers and they were shocked how many, like over a thousand users were using Dropbox. It wasn't being, wasn't being managed. How much, how much, yeah, how much company data is sitting out there? I think that that's, that's a, that's a great conversation about how VCIO can help customers. Uh, and I think that that, that piece, we, as an industry, we, we take that whole, you know, virtual CIO thing for granted. And there's a lot of money to be made with it. If we, if you have the resources to actually put it towards that, cause you, you are, you start looking at those things for customers and that's, that's a home run. Cause you say, look, your, your, your data is in the wrong place. You're, you're using multiple platforms that you can maybe consolidate to one. So it's more streamlined. Um, I, I actually have a, 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 someone that we work with closely that I think he actually would be a good, now that I'm just spitting out of the, you know, I think he'd be a good guest uh, to talk about some of the things that he implements. And he's a, he's a part-time CIO that comes in and, and works with us. It's mind boggling how much businesses are leaving on the table and how we can, be, we can create or how we can make IT a profit center for the business 
versus an expense. Because right now, every, every business, you know, again, and I'm talking about you know, that, that mid-level customer, they look at IT as, as a cost. But if you start bringing in these types of solutions that are, are going to cut, cut costs or save them money and, and so on and so forth, all of a sudden, IT becomes a, a profit center for them because they, they're, they're bringing in money by implementing the things that we're, we're putting out there. And I think that's something that as we grow as an industry, I think that's going to be a big deal that's going to trickle down to the small business. I only agree 99%. <laughs> I'm, I'm, All right, I, let's wave the flag now. I'm, I can say, I'm oh, going to go to the Canada. 15 year, um, Canadian <laughs> whiskey now. That's not how it goes. Yes, it does actually. You're going to tell me. Oh, you're okay. going to tell me. You're the expert. Yeah. You're the expert. You want to tell me how my anthem goes? Admittedly, I don't know the words to yours. So <laughs> ours is way cooler. It, it, it maybe to you it is. I like mine. <laughs> Hey, so question, Joe. In middle school, did you guys do any kind of Pledge of Allegiance in the beginning of class? <laughs> did that exist? Does that exist in Canada? When you play to the flag? So before school starts. No, we, we, no, we sing O Canada every, day, every morning in school. Oh, that's what you did. Okay. Look at my lack of Canadian so, knowledge So here. it's interesting because I, I grew up in, in the Catholic school system, and every morning they would do 15 minutes of uh, PA announcements, and we would do our daily prayer you know and then we would do our sing the national anthem and i'll tell you something i saw people get suspended because they were walking in the hallway during the the anthem or the prayer if you're in the hallway in those 15 minutes you have to stay still because if you move suspension it's it's a respect thing and you know what it makes sense yeah that was that was back in the saving 70s or something like that right right (laughs) so (laughs) dude we're the same age man (laughs) 80s were cool man (laughs) I bet Joe had a mullet in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so I think a lot of countries sing the, the, the national anthem, um, not a pledge of allegiance of, of sort. That's, I think that's not unique, but it's, it's, it's definitely special here. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a cultural difference, you know, when you look at, and I don't want to get into politics and cultural differences, but one of the big differences between Canada and the U.S. is that we are... Uh, we embrace multiculturalism a lot more than the smelting pot uh, model that the U.S. has. Not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying that that is an actual difference in, in the culture, right? And you know what's, what else is different? This 15-year estate oak is definitely different. It tastes northerny. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of my time up in Vancouver, you know, so. Why, you trying to say it has a hint of weed? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, we've embraced it. Let me just say, it's it's normal now, and it's like it's no longer taboo. the The stigma's gone. And does does the street still smell like? That's a. That'll be interesting to see what happens now here in the country in regards to that. But but does it does it like like if you're like in the city like because I remember I like I went to Vancouver like the week after the the law passed. And you would walk down the street and you would get high just by walking down the street. Can you can you get it in your Timmy's? Can you get it in your Timmy's like like an add on? Well, that was always like that in Vancouver. Right. So, yeah, Vancouver is a very awesome and chill city. I love Vancouver. I loved I loved my time there. I was only there for three days, but it, it was it was fantastic. Yeah. It's a great city. Uh, but I will say that it is now acceptable or accepted, I guess I should say, that uh, you're walking down the street and the person in front of you might yeah. be smoking a joint. 
and it's just as it's it's frowned upon as much as someone smoking a Got cigarette it. in front of you. Yeah. yeah, if you know what I'm trying to say. So if you don't like any kind of smoke smell, then it doesn't matter what it is you're smoking. It could be tobacco or marijuana. It's like whatever kind of thing. Whereas it used to be, ooh, look at this guy. Oh my god, he's smoking weed. Now it's like whatever. Well, I think I think we've uh, we've exhausted our thirty minutes. Pro- production is is waving their flag at us. Oh, went off the rails there for a bit. <laughs> So, so in summary, in the, so, Craig, do you want to give the summary of the show? Don't mess with production. <laughs> uh, we talked about IT stuff and right. uh, whiskey and uh, backups. They're important. I mean, I can't, I, I can't, or you can go back and listen to the show again if you really need to know, but. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, in summary, make sure you position yourself uniquely, find holes in their strategy, uh, try to make educate the customers we've said many a times why you need an msp um those are the things that you're really going to show value and it's not going to be notice none of these things are about price never sell on price never sell on price what you decide to charge that's that's up to you because your value is different than the next person so i i say focus on the value Uh, something i'd like to uh, that you point based on what you just said just you can do this through marketing you can do this through webinars you can, you know, lunch and learns that that's how you educate the, 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 the customer. And, and get that, your vendors to help pay for the lunch and learns. Don't do the lunch and learns on your own. That's right. Get your vendors to help. Take that. Listen to the episode a couple of times. There's a lot of good, good stuff in here. And um, if you're from Canada, definitely let us know if you're listening, because there's a bet going on of how many people are, are listening from Canada. Thank you, Kevin. Take it away. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. All right, all my boys and girls in Canada, come on, show me the support, show your loyalty as a fellow Canadian. It has to come from a CA address. (laughs) Kevin, did you get that? Yes, you did.